Bob, for the good songs you selected and the way you were singing out like you really mean it, and it's a great joy. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this evening to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations. your place in Lamentations. Just want to say how thrilled we are to be here. Nancy and I have been looking forward to this conference since the last time we were here together, just one year ago. And it's a great joy to share this time with our brother Chris Schroeder, and good to see his wife Barb as well, and to see each one of you. So we're looking to the Lord to give us a blessing through his word, through the ministry. And I know you're praying, and we're praying, and we're looking to see what God will speak to our hearts as we look in his word this weekend. Well, now, Lamentations, I hope you've all found it. If you're having trouble finding it, you can find it right next to your box of Kleenex in the Old Testament, right? Lamentations would be the saddest book in the Bible, and yet some of the most hopeful, bright phrases of God's faithfulness shine so brightly in this great little book. Let's notice in Lamentations chapter 1, verse 12, where it says, and I'm using the New King James translation, this is what we read. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Behold and see, if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which has been brought on me, which the Lord has inflicted on me in the day of his fierce anger. Look also in chapter 2, verse 11. My eyes fail with tears, my heart is troubled, my bile is poured out on the ground because of the destruction of the daughter of my people, because the children and the infants faint in the streets of the city. Look also in chapter 3, just verses 19 through 21 at this moment. Lamentations 3, verse 19, we read, Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. And we trust that God will add his best blessing to the reading of his word. Let's ask him to guide us and really speak to our hearts tonight in another word of prayer. Shall we pray? Father, how thankful we are that whenever we open your word, we remind our hearts that we are in dependence upon you, that your spirit would take the things we've read, apply them to our lives, and show unto us your great faithfulness and our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, yes, it is the saddest book in the Bible. It's written by a heartbroken prophet who had a heartbreaking message. And he saw himself the destruction of the daughter of Zion, the city of Jerusalem. And right in the midst of it, he saw through all of this gloom, God's hand of faithfulness still working. Look, if you will, in verse 22 of Lamentations chapter 3, where we read, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Aren't you thankful that just like the, the black velvet mat 
that a jeweler may use to display the bright rays of a diamond are set forth here and we see in all of the gloom and destruction of the city of Jerusalem, God's faithfulness shines like the bright light of his wonderful grace and glory. In fact, we're going to use this backdrop and this little portion in the book of Lamentations to start a little series entitled, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. And we're going to be looking at the hope that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. But by way of introduction, we go back to the Old Testament and we think about hope in the Old Testament. Now, the word translated hope in the Old Testament scriptures is often translated from one of three different words, pronunciation, don't hold me to anything. I, I'm getting out of my element immediately, but I'm not afraid to do that just to show you how different each word is. Sometimes the word translated hope is from the Hebrew word yakal. Other times we see the Hebrew word is pronounced, I believe, chul. And then thirdly, one of my favorite names among the uh, Israeli people is tikva. Three different words translated as hope, and we see that in the, New, in the Old Testament. And right in this one portion of Scripture in Lamentations, all three are put to place so that we can understand the different meanings because context helps us to understand the meaning of a word so much better than the pronunciation, doesn't it? And so we see in verse 24 the use of the first word, and it describes to us hope as an enduring hope one that is there during the tough times. And Jeremiah, as he writes in verse 24, and reflecting on the Lord's faithfulness, he says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I hope in him. The hope was not in the city of Jerusalem. The hope was not in the faithfulness of God's people, but the hope was set fast right in the Lord, in him, the hope of the hopeless, shines through as an enduring hope. And he even says in verse 25, using that same word for hope, but translated as the word wait, here's what he writes in verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. It's that idea of I'm, I'm going to endure and persevere in this steadfast hope that God will always see us through. No matter what you might be going through, this is the kind of hope we see as demonstrated in the Old Testament, but as you already know, we're going to see how that hope gets so much better in the New Testament. But we see it for where it's at in a foundational way as an enduring hope. Look also, if you will, in verses 26 and 27. Verse 26 says, It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And so that first word, yakal, if it means an enduring hope, this word, pronounced cool, is, well, it's an exciting hope. It's the kind of butterflies in your stomach twirling about. It even sometimes is used to describe dancing and twirling about. And don't anybody get worried. We won't be doing that tonight. But in our hearts and in our stomachs, there should be that same kind of exciting hope that God is about to work, and we see exactly this expressed. It is good that one should hope, 
that twirling about excitement of what God is about to do, and yet this constant dependence on him to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Not only there, but also in verse 27. He says, it is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Did you notice this little progression, verse 26? It's good to hope. Verse 26 again, it's good to wait. Verse 27, it's good to bear because God is going to break through. And I just want to say for young people that, well, you might be, you might be picked on for putting your hope in the Lord. You just tell them it's cool to trust in the Lord, all right? It's an exciting hope. And then we see also, and probably my favorite of all, starting in verse 28 through 29, it's the word tikva. It's used as a name for a young lady or a little girl in Israel. Tikva, it, it's the idea of, of attaching a cord is really the definition of the word. It means like, well, the way we would say it over in the south, I can't say down south from here, but over in the south, huh? We would say, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on, okay? Tikva, it's, it's waiting and not giving up, but waiting until God breaks through. It's an expectant hope. Look, if you will, in verse 28. It says, let him sit alone and keep silent because God has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. And here we are with the word tikva. There may yet be hope. In other words, don't give up. The best is yet to come. As someone wrote on the wall of a concentration camp, these words, I believe in the sun, even when it doesn't shine. I believe in love, even when it doesn't show. I believe in God, even when he doesn't speak. We can always hope in God and not be discouraged. Now that's the Old Testament usage of the word hope, and those three times it appears in using different words, all translated the same, right in this one portion, again, that is like that black velvet mat that a jeweler may use as he displays a diamond. In fact, speaking of diamonds, we're going to go over to the New Testament, but I was talking with a friend who's a jeweler, and I was asking him, along with this message, on hope years ago, I said, just how do you know the value of a diamond? He said, he said, well, there are four things to consider. And he smiled and he said, there are four C's to consider. Now, that gets the interest of any preacher. You know that, don't you, huh? Four C's. I said, I'm listening and I had my pen poised. He said, first of all, the carrot, how much it weighs. Secondly, the color. <clears throat> I thought all diamonds were white, but they're not, or clear at least, I should say. Different colors. The color also is a consideration of the value. Clarity is the third C. Any imperfections that would draw away from the value of a diamond. And, <clears throat> you know, the ladies look like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we know this. We know this, huh? <laughs> the cut is the fourth C. And the men, we're still trying to figure out what is the value of a diamond anyway? It really is what it stands for. But I got up that night and I decided to use those four C's. And I said, you can know the value of a diamond by the f these five C's. And I looked at my jeweler friend and 
He lifted his eyebrow to see what I was going to add to this 4C value of a diamond. After I said the carat and the color and the clarity and the cut, I said, and the cost. That really puts the value to a diamond, huh? And yet, don't we see how hope shines brightly in all of its clarity, in the way that God shines his light through the various prisms or the various angles in our life experience, how he shows not only in the clear things of life, but when things are off color or a different color, and sometimes the weight just comes right down on us, and yet God, through his wonderful provision of hope in Christ, we realize that God is faithful and he never, ever wants us to give up hope because he is the hope of the hopeless. You know, you step into the New Testament and you say, well, in the New Testament, most things get bigger from the Old Testament to the New Testament, but hope, it's not seen in three different words. Hope appears in just one word and one word only, el peace. One time it's translated faith, but every other time it's translated hope. And yet, the hope, this one hope, one word for one hope in the New Testament is seen in a sevenfold way, but yet there's still just one hope. This sevenfold way will include a joyful hope, as we're going to see in Romans chapter 5 in just a moment, a glorious hope over in the book of Colossians, a steadfast hope in the book of Hebrews, a unifying hope in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, a living hope in 1 Peter chapter 1, the blessed hope in the book of Titus chapter 2, and then finally with the Lord's help, a purifying hope. And we're going to see the sevenfold hope unfold or open up for us through the New Testament as we just consider hope in the New Testament. Now I will say you can take that sevenfold display of hope in the New Testament and put it into two categories. Here and now, now if we hope in Christ in this life only, we're of all men the most pitiable, but that doesn't mean that our hope doesn't work for right here and right now. If that's all we have, yes, we're the most pitiable, but we also have a hope that's for there and then. And so we're going to start tonight looking at this New Testament hope that's right here and right now, in the book of Romans chapter 5, please join me right there, because in Romans chapter 5, we see a joyful hope that we have in Christ. And we looked in Lamentations and we saw the gloom and the blackness and the darkness of destruction, and we see hope shining there. I'd like to remind you that in the New Testament, at one time, we were strangers to the commonwealth. We were outsiders. We were without God and without hope and without God in this world. Now, that's the black backdrop, isn't it? We remember what it was like when hope dawned and shone through, as we have in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. He says it this way. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, you'll notice he says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This joyful hope starts 
by just giving us a position of finding rest for our souls. Again, hope isn't just twirling about. Hope is that definite expectation of glory that stands so different from what the world has when it speaks of hope. The world hopes so, but the believer, we're not hoping so. We know so. We have a hope for a definite expectation that God will fulfill his word just as he promised, and that hope gives us rest in our souls. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't that give you that kind of rest? Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joys of what thou art. I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. We're just enjoying being at peace with him and set on the solid rock, our living hope, Christ himself. Brother Bram Hall used to quote, on Christ the solid rock I stand, and then he would say, any other rock is a shamrock. Hmm? If we're going to rest our souls in that kind of hope, we have to have a good solid foundation. And so he says, being justified. God has declared us righteous by his marvelous grace. Being justified by faith, we have put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that has given us peace with God, peace in heaven, and peace in our souls. And nothing can take away that peace. That relationship will never be broken, and that gives our souls rest, doesn't it? Not only do we have the position of resting in this joyful hope, but let's go on through these wonderful few verses in Romans 5. Look at verse 2. He says, in verse 2, the first part of it, through whom also we have access by faith, just as we're justified by faith, now we see that that same faith gives us access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And so we not only have a place of resting, we have a place of standing. We're standing on the Lord, the foundation that will never give way. You need not fear putting your hope in Christ, for whoever hopes in him will never be disappointed. You can trust it, take it right before the Lord, and you can stand on that solid foundation. Our standing is in, as it says in verse 2, in his grace. We stand fast in the faith, and we also stand complete in Christ, complete in him, no work of mine. And we're so thankful that we not only have a place to rest in his finished work, but also a place of standing that will never give way. Thirdly, we see that our position is also one, as you notice in verse 2 again at the end of the verse, uh, one of rejoicing, he says, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, this rejoicing, that really is, is joy multiplied or done over again. Huh? You know, I know when we sing a hymn, we sing a verse, and then we sing the refrain, but I've never heard of singing the frame to begin with. Huh? The frame and the refrain. Sounds a little bit like beans and refried beans, right? No, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about a joyful hope that is turned 
over and over and over again into the rejoicing, as he says at the end of verse 2, we rejoice. In other words, we have his joy, but we're enjoying it again and again and again and again. Pardon the simplicity, no apology for it. Are you rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God? I hope so. <laughs> because the Lord Jesus, he knew that kind of joy. Prophetically, oh, go back to one of the Messianic Psalms. Prophetically, in Psalm 16, verse 11, it was said of him, In thy presence is the fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures for how long? Forevermore. And so the Lord Jesus, prophetically, it was spoken of him that that joy is one that is forever and again. Personally, don't you remember the Lord Jesus gives those personal gifts? My peace, abide in my love. He also says that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, full and running over to the point of rejoicing. It's no wonder that he says, and my joy and your joy, no one can take from you. I know there are joy stealers out there. Perhaps you might be thinking right now of something that's hanging over you. Don't let it steal your joy. The Lord Jesus said, no one can take that joy from you. You'd have to give it away. Don't give in to the joy stealers. Things that happened in the past, don't let them hold you back. Things that might happen tomorrow, don't let them rob you of the joy right now. Stand solid in the hope that we have that is a joyful hope. And even the Lord Jesus, he calls us, doesn't he? The writer of Hebrews says, to look off away from this world and look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, that's how he endured the cross, despising the shame, and now he's set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I tell you, a believer has every reason in the world to be rejoicing in the Lord today. A place of resting, a place of standing, a place of, well, let's call it tiptoe expectancy of what God is about to do in the joy that he's given to us. It's exciting, isn't it? You know, anytime you throw an amen, that would have been a great place right there, huh? Uh, it's true, though, isn't it, that we can rejoice in the Lord no matter what's going on around us because of what God is doing in us. And he's put that expectation that we know, that we know, that we know that God is going to fulfill his promise. And so we have the position of our tiptoe expectancy. We're watching for God to work, and he will carry us through. One more thing. This joy that is seen in the hope that we have is one that is building us up, lifting us up, if you will, in the position that one day will be full stature like him. And so the, the right, Paul, as he writes Hebrews in verse 3 of Romans chapter 5, I'm sorry, I said Hebrews, Romans. You know, I can hardly wait to get to heaven to find out who wrote Hebrews. John Phillips told me, he said, oh, I got the answer already. You don't have to wait there until <clears throat> you get to heaven. He said, first word, the book of Hebrews tells you who wrote Hebrews, huh? God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners. So uh, if Paul didn't write Hebrews, it's going to be perfectly fine with me. But Romans is the book. Romans chapter 5, look, if you will, in verse 3. All the things we've already talked about, and did you notice some of those key phrases or key words? Words like faith. Words like uh, hope, uh, words like 
grace, words like joy or rejoicing, words like glory. Uh, these are wonderful foundational words for the believer, but let's go on and see how we see this all coming together to build us up in our most holy faith. And in verse three, here's what we read. And not only that, in other words, on top of all that, here we go, we're going to see this building our lives up unto Christ when he says, we, but we also glory in tribulations. How can you do that? Well, you know what they're doing for us. They're not working against us. They're working for us. I have a friend who used to tell me, he said, don't let these things be stumbling blocks. Turn them into stepping stones to get closer to the Lord. Huh? Sometimes difficulties come into our lives. Our perspective on how we see these things from this hopeful eye with our eyes upon God, we see all the situation around us and we need to see it through his eyes. It's not for our undoing, it's for our building up. And so he says, we also glory in tribulations. Not only that, look, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. To fully realize what God has given us in this joyful hope, we go through some difficult times but he's able to get us up off the ground. By the way, it was nice to fly over here instead of driving this time. That's my prayer. Every time I get on the plane, we start to uh, go down the runway. I always pray, Lord, lift us up in your power. And then I pray and set us down in your tender mercies. Is that the way you pray? Do you think the Lord's able to get this thing off the ground? I mean, joy, does it really carry us through? Hope, does it really matter in this day and time? Oh, absolutely. He's able to get us up. Nancy and I probably uh, are way overboard on how much we love our little puppy dog. Gigi, you've met her at Yosemite, some of you. You know, she's only eight and a half pounds. And uh, yet, the reason we got a little poodle is because I want to be able to pick her up. <laughs> and uh, easy to pick up an eight and a half pound poodle, but every time I put my hand underneath her to pick her up, you know what she does? She kind of helps me out. Huh? <laughs> it's the funniest thing, like, like you'd think I couldn't pick you up without you giving me a little nudge and a little help, huh? Uh, a little bounce to get us going. You know, sometimes we think we really need to help the Lord out, don't we? Huh? Uh, he's able to get us up. Huh? And when we see this, concerning the difficulties we go through. You go through all the tribulation times, you go through all the perseverance times, you go through all the building of the character, and it comes out at the end of verse four with that one great word that's shining brightly in joy, hope, hope, hope in God. Don't be discouraged, Don't, you'll never be disappointed, don't let anything turn you away from him. And verse five concludes this way by confirming these statements, now hope, does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Again, we take these words that are all listed for us in the first five verses of Romans chapter five. And it's almost like you're reading the menu of what God has provided for us in this wonderful hope. Words like faith, words like justified, words like peace, grace, joy, glory, love, and it's all found in that wonderful experience of the hope we have 
in Christ. We trust that the Lord will take these words and really stir our hearts to a greater appreciation of Christ, who is the hope of the hopeless. That hope was found in the person of Christ, God's own Son. And as we learn more about him, rejoice in this joyful hope that God has given us. Shall we close in a word of prayer? Our Father, we thank and praise you for the wonderful treasures that we find in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's none like him. He far exceeds any of our wildest imagination of what it would mean to know him personally and to find, though once we were without hope and without you in this world, now that we've come to Christ, we find him to be not only the hope that we've been longing for, but so much more. And the joy that you give us in this hope, we pray that it would be multiplied over and again. And we thank you, Father, for your precious word. We pray for our brother Chris as he speaks as well, that we might all draw close to you through your, the wonder of your word. Because of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.